We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good morning, Chicago. Happy Saturday. Welcome inside the clubhouse. We are broadcasting from the Hyundai studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. I am David Haw with Bruce Levine, broadcasting here until 11 o'clock, bringing you the latest in Chicago baseball news and opinions from a week that was very newsy indeed, Bruce, and there were uh, a lot of things going on. There was a no-hitter from Carlos Rodon, a couple no-shows from the Cubs, and here we are on Saturday ready to uh, ready to see the Cubs and Sox back on the field. A lot going on, my friend. How are you? Good morning, David, and good morning to our great baseball audience. And, uh, yeah, uh, two weeks in the books of the baseball season, and uh, – are we finally getting over the NFL mentality of, hey, if the team is under 500, if it's lost three out of four, if it's the Cubs not hitting with men in scoring position, is this the end of the world? Or, oh, yeah, are there 147 games left in the season? Oh, yeah, there are 147 games left in the season. But, Bruce, even you would agree that we talked all off season about the Cubs needing to get off to a good start, about the Cubs needing to define a clear direction so they don't have to have these issues hanging over them as they are. And here the Cubs are, and we'll get to the White Sox in a second, but the Cubs are five and eight, and it's not a pretty five and eight. This is a this is a team offensively that makes you want to look away. And yesterday, well, let's just start there. Jock Peterson strikes out with the bases loaded uh, in 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 a game that included more offensive futility and the night was capped, Bruce, I have to point this out, Kyle Schwarber for the Nationals, walk-off home run. The contrast could not be greater. This is a tough start for the Cubs. It is. It doesn't have a good look. It really doesn't. And I, I think that's kind of what I go by, David. I mean, I, I, I ignore the standings unless one team like the Dodgers takes off, okay, and has a superior record. And I'm not surprised because I think the Dodgers and Padres are by far the, the best teams in baseball at this point. But, uh, you know, be, beyond that, um, I just don't look at the standings uh, for the first 
two to three, maybe four weeks, because um, it's more evident than ever right now, David, that all the teams are bunched together, even when teams are only won three or four games or only a couple games out. So I think there, there's plenty of parity right now going on in baseball. Bruce, you're looking at it from the experience point of view, and that is the rational way to look at this. I think that the way that you described it, the NFL mentality, you're right. I mean, that that's sort of the, the nature of this a little bit in, in cities like Chicago. You do look at this and you overreact a little bit. That's sort of the fun of it. But uh, patience is recommended. I think that uh, you've got to be patient if you're a Cub fan. So the Cubs back in action today against the Braves. Trevor Williams back on the mound. They play. He, uh, the 12:45, the pregame here on the score. The White Sox are in Boston after a day off because of the weather. Boy, the weather looks nasty out in Boston. They've got Dylan Cease against Nick Pavetta. That's at three o'clock this afternoon, Bruce. And uh, both teams uh, looking for, uh, I think, the Cubs a bounce back start from Trevor Williams and Dylan Cease had some concerns about you know the COVID protocols that uh, knocked him back a day. Uh, big start for him as well. Yeah, it, it is. And, uh, you know, COVID it continues to be a storyline, David, as, as you pointed out with, uh, you know, the Cubs COVID protocol situations, two coaches uh, being down for a while. Um, I, I think the, the, the good news about the COVID part of it, uh, getting back to cease in a second, is that um, the science a year later allows people not to totally freak out and continue to be able to do the right things and isolate people and continue to play games uh, with other, without other infections occurring. So keep our fingers crossed on all of that uh, continuing that way. As far as Cease goes, he was in that protocol. Now he's going to pitch uh, today, and, and that's good news uh, for them. Uh, he uh, is the one pitcher, one starting pitcher that uh, needs to get straightened out in that starting five. The, the White Sox have arguably as good a starting rotation as there is in baseball. They've already proved it um, just in a couple weeks of the season here. Uh, but uh, with Cease um, having pitched extremely well in spring training, uh, didn't show it in the first start. I think this is a big one for him to uh, get into the si- sixth inning, give up uh, three runs or less. I think that's sadly this, that's all we ask of pitchers these days give up three runs or less, pitch into the sixth inning. Not six, not the old uh, quality start that uh, they came up with in the 80s, but uh, get into the sixth inning with three runs or less. I think that's the new quality start that we deal with in baseball now. 312-644-6767. What did you see this week from either the White Sox or the Cubs that stood out to you? What are the issues that you think are the, the biggest ones to address for, for either team, your favorite team. Let us know. Call us, text us, share with us, tweet us, whatever you want. We are here. We have a big show. Ron Coomer is going to join us at 945, Bruce. We've got Chin Music at the top of the hour, a segment we introduced last week. And Kelly Kroll, old buddy from uh, – not so old buddy, but uh, you know what I mean. She covers the Braves for Fox Sports South. She covered the Cubs for a long time for NBC Sports Chicago. She'll join us at 1025. Let's start by going to yesterday. Bruce, you have, you're kind of like the, the scores Iron Man during baseball season. You have both teams to, to keep track of, and you have a lot. Of, in today's day and age, it means a lot of Zoom sessions, a lot of time hearing what people have to say before and after games. Ryan Tapera was suspended three games for the statement that he made in throwing behind Brandon Woodruff the other day, the other night in Milwaukee. David Ross 
was suspended for a game because managers that's part of the that's part of the deal and how would you describe their tone pregame yesterday in either accepting or addressing those fines and and those suspensions um and the discipline handed out by major league baseball uh, is it two words or one pissed off is that <laughs> is that uh, one word or two that's two. Uh, that's two most people use it as one right yeah. uh but uh, that is the tone uh, from both Ross and Tapura uh, yesterday, uh, you know, knowing that um, both were suspended for, you know, it's equivalent. I'll, I'll let you introduce this sound, but both were suspended for the equivalent of what happens in NFL fights between linemen. <laughs> one lineman punches a guy in the head. The other one returns the punch. And the guy that returned the punch to defend himself is the guy that gets uh, penalized, right? It always but, but, happens. But does the lineman have to miss on the punch before he gets disciplined? Because that's exactly <laughs> what Ryan Tapera did. He had the equivalent of a whiff. He threw behind Brandon Woodruff. He didn't actually uh, – he didn't hit him with the pitch, but the message was sent. And he was content with that message. And we heard from him yesterday talking about how this is what he believes is missing in today's – Major League Baseball. I believe over time, baseball has changed. And to be blunt, uh, today's game of baseball has become a bit soft. Um, you know, back in the day, uh, matters were settled on the field. You know, one of many unwritten rules that have changed over time. I feel that, you know, typically it doesn't bode well in the clubhouse when guys are consistently being thrown at. You know, I think that um, what happened on Tuesday, there was no malicious intent. Um, it was just a message that we had had enough. That was Ryan Tapira from yesterday's pregame talking about his three-game suspension. It was a, it was a great message, but it was, uh, it was sent much, much, much too late, okay? And that's why I compare it to the NFL lineman, David, because the Cubs got caught defending themselves when every umpire in baseball, when every fan in baseball, when every Cub fan had been expecting this retaliation for over a week. Wilson Contreras has been getting nailed since last year by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, on purpose or not, the message must be given much earlier than this, much earlier than this, that, hey, our catcher, our all-star, uh, one of our top hitters, you're not going to throw inside at, at him and hit him often without us retaliating by doing the same thing. We're not talking about throwing above the shoulders. We're not talking about headhunting. We're talking about the way that baseball has always been policed by the players. And in this case, unfortunately, the Cubs were late in responding. There's no way, no other way to put it. All right, let, let me ask you this, though. Let, let me, and I'm, play, I'm not playing devil's advocate, but I am very curious what you think about this. So, so first of all, why do you think, then, the Cubs have led Major League Baseball with hit-by-pitches since, since David Ross took over, essentially? The beginning of 2020, they've been hit 65 times. The next closest is 54. And secondly, wouldn't you agree, as an old-school guy who has been around a long time, seen a lot of these things play out awkwardly, you know, before and during games and after games and talking about the, the concept of protecting your team. Typically, Bruce, 
How rare is it that you hear a pitcher talk about it, acknowledge it, and have to say, okay, you know what, I'm just protecting my guys. How often have you seen guys deliver the message without having to accentuate or emphasize that message by by reminding people, hey, that's a message. Typically people say, well, you know, the fastball got away from me, or they deny it. We know what's going on. But the fact that Tapura was so adamant about what he was doing, so overt almost, it kind of struck me as a little odd that he was. I think it was a message to their his own team as well in a, in a very nice way that you guys are late to the party. If you listen to that soundbite again, he says, you know, you know, some things in modern baseball are missing right now. You know, being able to defend, uh, stand up for your teammates and picking the right time to do it. Cubs are playing, you know, in a lot of close games where the, uh, the situation doesn't seem right to put someone else on base because they're having so much trouble scoring runs. Uh, understood. But at, at some point, you got to move the guy off the plate. You know, at some point in that, in that first um, in that first matchup with Milwaukee, a guy like Yelich has got to be pushed back. Okay, that's what you do. You push back their top hitters. You don't hit them. You can hit them in the butt or in the back of the numbers with a with a not a 99 mile an hour fastball, but with a well intended pitch. That's what you do. And you know what? It's self policed. The games move on. Everybody in baseball was waiting for the Cubs to respond, and that's why they were punished the way they were. It's, uh, you know, Tapura did the right thing. Ross, you know, uh, had to stand there and take it. Ross is an old-school guy. He didn't like it any better than, uh, than <laughs> I did when I, had, I brought it up yesterday in the pregame about were you guys late to the party and responding. He hated it, and you know why he hated it, don't you? Yeah, I didn't know why he hit it. Yeah, because it was true, and he and he and he felt bad about it, and he, you know, it wasn't maybe it wasn't right of me to put him in that position, but it was something that had to be asked, talked about, because uh, it's important that uh, you know the Cubs and every team police their own situation properly. Texture to the Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin text line, Bruce 312 says, these Cubs suspensions for throwing at Woodruff are ridiculous. If I were pitching, I would have flipped that guy upside down. And I think that does reflect sort of the prevailing thought and emotion maybe looking at this situation. And you referenced David Ross, and you did ask him the question, and he did not sound happy when you asked him his answer yesterday uh, before the Cubs game. We're talking about a a middle-of-the-order bat that uh, for us that's got hit in the head hitting the hand up around his face our 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 starting picture actually on uh, during that game got thrown uh up and in uh around his face um you know we since i've been here we we lead the league in getting hit by pitches and it's not even close to the second one and we've never intentionally retaliated um to my knowledge so I really believe that there's just we we get we got warnings in Pittsburgh. I hit twice. Got warnings in Pittsburgh. We got warnings after we got hit, and our catcher got fined a really big amount of money for being upset with getting hit in the head and then getting hit in the shoulder. And then um, he got hit in the hand again the other day. Our pitcher got thrown up and in, and we threw one behind a guy's calf and. Um, we've got suspensions and fines everywhere. That makes zero sense to me. He's hot.
He's hot, Bruce. He said a bad word. <laughs> yeah, he did. Can't get away with that. So what, how did you how did you think the, the umpires handled it yesterday when Javi Baez got hit and he went down to first base and appeared to suggest they wanted they, they gathered, they huddled, and they I they must have talked about whether yeah, or not they to talked warn about probably teams. giving a warning, you know. Yeah, uh, and again, I know, and it's the Cubs. Unfortunately, the Cubs are wearing this, as David Ross pointed out so succinctly, uh, because they really hadn't responded to it, and and they, that it, it it got away, and there was no proper place for them to bring it back. It really it really sucks that if you don't respond right away to uh, one of your players getting thrown at or pitched inside and hit. It's not even the intent. I don't think the Brewers are trying to hurt uh, Wilson Contreras. I don't believe that. But it doesn't matter. It's the result that counts. If the ball gets away and it hits the guy on an inside pitch, that's on the pitcher. You You have to give back a message to the other team. It's that simple. And is it all related... Uh, Bruce, I mean that this is this is the source of a lot of conversation. There's a lot of focus on what's happening with the Cubs and Contreras being hit and how they're being pitched and and the retaliation factor. Meanwhile, they still continue to struggle at the plate. Is that just an extension of the frustration? Are, are they two separate issues? Are they are they at all related? I have my theories, and uh, I don't think any of them are valid for a while. Um, I do believe. Uh, that when you have a whole team of guys that are going to be free agents, and God knows the Cubs have probably 15 guys uh, out of their uh, – I'll have to count them. I should have already. Isn't it but 18? It's anywhere I think it was 18 was the number, I believe. That, that can be free agents after this year? Entering the final years of the contract. I'll double check. And you, and you go into a, a little bit of a slump. Uh, I think it takes on bigger – situations for the players i think uh, you know that they realize that there's so much going on as far as where they're going to be where their families are going to be um you know most importantly is trying to help their team win every day there's no doubt about that but there's not the same feeling of leadership when you have so many guys and this is just my opinion okay you have so many guys that can be free agents. You know, there's not that all for one, one for all. We're going to be doing this for the next five years attitude. So I think I think that slowly permeates into the thinking of uh, players when they do go through hard times. And uh, you know, they've always had great leaders on this team, uh, and they still do. But uh, the perspective changes when you're in the last year of your contract and you have so many guys. Uh, that that could be playing somewhere else. It might be too early to um, totally apply that theory, but I think that's something that you have to think about when you see teams struggle that have so many guys that are going to be elsewhere next year. Well, two things. Number one, isn't that funny, though, and, and interesting how baseball has changed in that way too, Bruce, because for years and almost generations, we have been led to believe the contract year, the contract year, the contract year will bring out the best in a player because they have that incentive right. of, okay, I want to prove my worth before I go on to the open market. And yet I think that the way that you describe it is almost more accurate. I think the pressure that looms with the uncertainty that, that is next season, the off season that is there. If you struggle 
boy, that seems to be paralyzing these guys and their you know, paralysis by analysis and everything becomes bigger than it may be. And the other aspect of this is, is knowing that, anticipating that, this Cubs front office almost structured this team. You know, this is designed to fail that way because you have all these players who are in prove-it seasons. Now, if they respond to that well, you're, you're golden. You're great. You're in first place and you're laughing. But if you're not and you struggle, every little thing becomes magnified and every slump becomes prolonged because you're like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing to my family? I'm not going to get the contract that I want. Imagine going to work every day with that kind of pressure. I, I do, and uh, that's why I always say nice things to Mitch Rosen on a daily <laughs> basis. <laughs> uh, well, we, we have to take a break, but when we yeah. come back, we'd like to talk to you, 312-644-6767. Your thoughts yeah. about uh, pitching inside, Cubs, Sox, uh, some and- feistiness on the south side as well that we'll get to in chin music, but uh, we're open uh, for business here on Inside the Clubhouse. What was your most memorable moment from the Carlos Rodon no-hitter? 312-644-6767 with Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Three and two. Rodon. It's a it's a pretty special moment. Not many people can say they've they've done a hitter or no hitter in in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and there's we've always we always talk about it. it seems like uh, any interview with 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 all you guys, normal people here, and so he's like, oh, there's been some up and downs, and you know, what's it like to go through that and go through some adversity, and it just feels good to finally sit here and tell you uh, I dominated today, and it was. Sports Radio 670, The Score. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Thank you, NBC Sports Chicago, for that highlight from a very special Wednesday night at Guaranteed Rate Field. Carlos Rodon throws the 20th no-hitter in White Sox history. 114 pitches, Bruce, touched 99 in the ninth inning. And for a guy who has been through two major surgeries, was non-tendered in December, signed a prove-it deal himself in January with the White Sox, one year, $3 million dollars. You saw the relief, you saw the joy, and frankly, I don't know how you could feel any better for an athlete than people felt for Carlos Rodon, seeing him celebrate on Wednesday night. A great moment for him and a terrific highlight for the White Sox. Yeah, personally, uh, you know, talking to Carlos, like he mentioned in that soundbite, that, you know, he talked to myself and other reporters 
for the last five or six years, and it was always centering around injuries, you know, the shoulder injury, the Tommy John injury, uh, the, the constant time off uh, because of injury. And then the, the flashes of brilliance in between, uh, you know, the end of, I think it was 17 or 18, uh, you know, winning eight in a row. You see, you see why the, the White Sox made him their number three pick in that draft. Uh, you know, in 2014. Uh, this is, uh, you know, a very feel-good moment for people around Carlos and White Sox fans, I think, who uh, wanted him to show that he was worth it all these years and certainly proved it the other day. And Ethan Katz went on the next day to even say that he believes, and it was a, it was a shocking headline, he believes that Carlos Rodon can be the best pitcher in the American League, the best pitcher in baseball. Both of those comments. So uh, that is what they're hoping for, and uh, I'm very happy for Carlos and his family uh, from all he has gone through to be at this pinnacle at this moment. I thought that stood out too, Bruce, because this is a new perspective on Carlos Rodon from an up-close and personal point of view in Ethan Katz, and this is an educated viewpoint. This isn't just a fan saying, hey, God, that guy, he could be one of the best in the game. This is Ethan Katz, his professional opinion, and I don't think he was exaggerating. When you see the kind of stuff that Carlos Rodon is capable of producing when healthy, and he did, he did use that caveat, and that is the key thing with Carlos Rodon. If healthy, he could be at the top of the league if he can stay consistent. Now, here, here's the thing that I think that you saw on Wednesday night as well. That perspective, that relief, everything that he had gone through, it helped him. And when, when he hit Roberto Perez in, in the foot and he, the perfect game was ruined and you worried, I think, just instinctively as a baseball fan, oh, boy, how's he going to react to this? Oh, boy, this is going to – we have seen this how many times before? Something happens and then he gives up a hit. He laughed. He looked at the dugout and he laughed. And it was almost like, well, you know what? I have been through worse. I could handle this. I got it. And what did he do? Yeah, he's got it. He had the no-hitter. It didn't really it didn't really affect him in any negative way. And that kind of perspective is why you felt so good about a guy who had been, in his wife's words, uh, when she posted on social media, to hell and back as a baseball player. So, Carlos Rodon, I hope he stays healthy because I would love to see if Ethan Katz could be proven correct. You know, I think it's a great point you bring up, David, uh, you know, about um, his perspective. I think it's it's really worth going back to and pointing that out because uh, whether he threw a no-hitter or not, in Rodon's mind was, now people can see who I am as a pitcher. I, I can just relax at this point. And that's exactly what he did. Now, it has to translate into the next start and uh, a healthy season for him. We wish that for him. But uh, Rodan, you know, they always talk about left-handers if they throw 92, 93, 94, uh, that it's it's the equivalent of 98 uh, by a right-hander because of the different look it gives. And with him and his wipeout slider uh, and uh, now, you know, with a change-up into it and the fact that he throws 98 as a left-hander, wow. yeah. I can understand why Katz is so excited about the future for still a very young 28-year-old pitcher who seems like he's been around for a million years. That helps explain why he got 19 whiffs, swings and misses on 114 pitches the other night. Bruce, let's go out to our BetQL listener line. A lot of talk and conversation about 
Carlos Rodon. That's where we find Paul and Valparaiso. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, great to see uh, Carlos Rodon. That's uh, happy for him and his family. But, Bruce, question uh, as a Cubs fan, uh, why did the Cubs not take a flyer on him? They went to the workout, I believe, and you yep. just kind of set it there yourself. A left-hander that throws 98. Yes, he's had a lot of injury problems um, and been inconsistent, you know, whatever. But I, he would have fit perfectly in the Cubs rotation to take a chance on a guy. Um, and I just don't know why they wouldn't have. Well, I mean, they, I mean, Trevor Williams may end up being okay, and obviously the trade for Zach Davies. But we've all, you guys have said it a million times on your show. They kind of fit the same profile as guys they already had. Why not take a chance on a guy that's different? I, I think thanks, they Paul. did, uh, you know, and, and and thanks for that call. I think they did, uh, David. They they did have uh, people at his workout. They did like what they saw. They had some brief conversations. But um, I got a call. I wrote that story, mm-hmm. you know, saying that the Cubs were interested. Okay. So I got that from a source. And I wrote that story. And then uh, as soon as it was published, I got a call from a, a person that works for the White Sox, and uh, they said, um, they asked me, are you sure they're that into it? And um, I said, <laughs> I said, well, my, my only report is that they watched him work out, and it's obvious they have needs. This is before they signed Arietta. Right. And uh, uh, they were, so they were, they were concerned right away. Now, well, as Bruce, soon as he signed, that, I understood really, uh, why, they were, why they were so concerned. Was that because really they were on them how, all the way. How much should we worry? Was that the White Sox asking you how much they should really worry about losing Carlos Rodon? Yes, maybe to the Cubs? yes, okay. because they were on him all the way. They wanted him not at four point five million, which was his uh, number as for arbitration, but after they released him, they wanted him at three million dollars. I think it's a fair question, and and certainly though it it. <laughs> I don't look at it as the Cubs failing to sign Carlos Rodon as much as Bruce. I look at it as, okay, this is Carlos Rodon who was, in his words, you know, I think he said he was pissed off that they didn't tender him a contract in December. He was motivated to return to a place where he felt comfortable. And frankly, he was inspired by the chance to win in Chicago based on the talent that they had put together, based on he was part of last season. He knows what's coming. He can read the he can read the room. So I think that even though it was a limited year in terms of terms, the contract, not as much money as he might have liked, he wanted to come back here with something to prove and to prove at the place that drafted him third overall in the 2014 draft. He hasn't lived up to that expectation for a lot of reasons. But I think that he came back committed to doing everything he could to close the gap between production and potential. And, and you know, you're right, David. Uh, the hardest thing for an athlete to do, and we've seen this even with the greatest players. We saw it with uh, Jason Hayward. We saw it with uh, John Lester. Uh, when you go to a new place and try to prove yourself as being worthy of being a free agent in a new city, that's psychologically with huge contracts, that's, that's really tough. But even for Carlos to think about going to somewhere else uh, to prove it when they had so much intelligence, so much data on him having come through that system, it just made sense for him to go back there. And uh, the White Sox, to their credit, uh, saw that. Yes, they wanted him at a discount rate, but they wanted him because they pursued him almost immediately after he was non-tendered by telling him in truth, not the fictional story that you hear a lot about, yeah, we want to sign him back. Uh, but in truth, is that we want we want you back at that figure. 
All right, Bruce, when we come back, you know him, you love him, you hear him every day with Pat and Zach. He is Ron Coomer. He will join us next at Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 33 pitches for Will Smith in the inning. The pitch, swing and a miss. Strike three and the ball game is over. A curveball got him, and the Atlanta Braves beat the Chicago Cubs by a score of 5-2. to two. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse here, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock this morning. That was the voice of Pat Hughes right here on The Score on Friday after the Cubs lost their opener in this three-game series against the Atlanta Braves. It's time now to go out to the Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue Hotline, apnissan.com. That is where we find... Ron Coomer and Ron, I know we got some big issues to uh, to get to Coom, but I have to ask you this: When will you forgive Burt Hooten for throwing batting practice at you like it was the seventh game of the World Series? I got a chuckle <laughs> out of you talking about that yesterday. <laughs> Fun stuff. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great, David. Brucey, I'm doing very good. And that would be a never, <laughs> never will I ever give in to what Mr. Hooten did to us and the, the arguments we'd have um, over batting practice, but he was a great coach and a great guy, but we used to, him and I used to battle all the time, and then he'd, he'd cut, you know, because back then, you know, cutting the ball and, and throwing spitballs and all those things all were part of the game, and he was good at it. It and, wasn't a knuckle curve, Coombs? <laughs> There were some, Brucey, and then there were some that had a little more than just a knuckle curve, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago in uh, AAA, right, Coom? That was where you were uh, encountered Burt Hooten as your Correct. pitching coach? Correct, 1995, yeah. before I got called, traded to the big leagues, he was our pitching coach, and a great coach, he really was. He ended up in Houston coaching the Astros. Great coach, great guy. Um, yeah, but we used to have fun, and I used to just – jaw at him from that's what batting practice was about was having an energy and you know you came out there and i i always made it a competition and there was an energy about it right and and i think that's the one thing that you know helps you get better is that that communication um of what you're doing at the current time uh yeah i remember a story by stan williams a great pitcher for the dodgers and a great coach in baseball, back in uh, the the 50s and 60s, uh, the the bullpen pitchers used to throw uh, batting practice. And Williams got traded to the Indians from the Dodgers. And uh, uh, one of his teammates was Rocky Calavito. And he, uh, the first time he threw batting practice to him, he, he hit him with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball in, in his back. And Cal, Calavito said, what's that for? He said, well, don't you remember you took me deep in a spring training game a couple of years ago? That, <laughs> we never that, forget, guys. That, that competitiveness uh, is a little different than these days. Coombs, um, I'm going to start with some positives. Okay. The ninth inning of yesterday's game, uh, I saw some of the better at-bats by the Chicago Cubs that I've seen all year. Uh, looking at Smith, the closer for Atlanta, who has four nasty pitches, and we saw Hap, we saw Rizzo, and we saw Bryant take walks. I want to start right there because even though the end result was a Peterson strikeout to end that game, I'd like to concentrate on the fact that they're seeing the ball better than the results are out there right now. Your thoughts? 
I agree with that statement that those at-bats were very good. I thought Marisnik also um, had a good at-bat, even though it didn't work out for him. You know, sometimes those at-bats don't quite work out with the result, but the at-bat was good. The, the You know, understanding what you're, what you're trying to hit is good. And I thought for all those guys, um, Riz took some great swings. Pat even made mention of that. And just followed the ball back, and that's what happens when you're when the team is scuffling and you're scuffling a little. You get your pitch and you foul it instead of put it in play. Um, but I really, I, the thing I love about what happened last night, late in the game, was the fight to want to win, even though you're down and it's cold and you know it's just not looking good. You gotta want to fight, right? You can't lose that. If you lose that you're done and the season's over. And we have not seen the Cubs give in at all, and that's a positive. So, Coom, I need you to weigh in on this because it, each day the story gets a little bit more involved, it seems. Yesterday, uh, there are four Cub batters, I guess three that were hit by pitches, Javi Baez twice. And since the beginning of David Ross's tenure with the Cubs, they have been hit a major league high 65 times, and it's not even close. 54 is the next uh, team on the list. I think it's the Mets. Why is that happening at the frequency it is with the Cubs? Is it a product of their approach at the plate where they choose to stand in the batter's box, or is it a fact that you know they're not getting protected by their own pitching staff? Is it a combination of everything? I would say um, all of the above, a combination of everything. There are times where that number gets a little skewed uh, for me um, because of Anthony, right? Anthony stands right on the plate in there for a while. You know, he will creep even closer. And literally his right elbow could almost be in the strike zone, you know. So um, with that being said, that's where he likes to stand and he holds his ground and that's okay. And there are teams that have hit him on purpose. And then there are times where, he gets clipped by a pitch, and, you know, it's not necessarily on purpose, or it's just not on purpose at all. Yesterday, I felt in that ball game, um, the Cubs were hit four times and early in the game, and I didn't feel like there's there's no bad blood, there's nothing, and I, I just didn't feel like anybody got hit by the Cubs or hit, you know, the Cubs hitters got hit with any purpose in mind at all. One was a slider, um, nothing, you know, there was just never time. And Javi got upset for a flash second and then realized, hey, we're not playing Milwaukee. I know they're in blue, but that's not Milwaukee. He did not hit me on purpose. And then went down the line and said something to the pitcher like, hey, get it. You know, it's all right. Um, so there are times that that is happening and it's, you know, not because of bad blood. I do believe, though, that you're going to see um, – I don't want to say retaliation, but guys on opposing teams that have whacked us pretty good with pitches, they're superstar players and star players better better be on skates when they're in the box because they're gonna they're gonna have to wear it. It's just that simple. They gotta you've gotta go an eye for an eye right now until this gets resolved. Ron Coomer joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's David Haw. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here for you every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball in the greatest baseball city in the world, Chicago, Illinois. Coombs, uh, how much of this is the blame of some pitchers with the Cubs that 
it wasn't uh, approached earlier? And I know that's a hard question to answer because the Cubs have been playing in a lot of close games. Their team has not been scoring runs. Putting men on base is not a great idea. But from the perspective of having thrown inside to Milwaukee or hitting Yelich earlier uh, to just, you know, prove a point and put a little thought in the mind of the pitchers, maybe they shouldn't throw so much inside. Uh, how, how much is, uh, you know, this uh, just a second guess on my part? Well, I think it goes back quite a ways, Bruce. And I, I know there's not a lot of guys that are on the staff from the last uh, regime, so to speak, with mm-hmm. with Joe. But having these conversations with Madden for years, um, and Joe and I are great friends, but we, we totally disagreed on this on this part of our game. I felt like there were times where teams were hitting our guys, and he was a non uh how would you pronounce it? He did not like retaliating. Um, I've only had one cup of coffee. The tongue's not <laughs> um, He was not into retaliating at all. That was not his gig. For me, I think of it a little different. Uh, if Anthony's getting getting blasted, KB was getting hit, to me, I'm not looking to hurt anybody, but to stick one in somebody's ribs on their team, I was a yes, Joe was a no. I think that's been the organizational policy for a while, to be the no, and we're not retaliating, we're not doing that, let's just play the game. Um, and I think some of that has carried over into now, where the Cubs just want to play the game. They've been a very good team, let's just play. Play straight up, and now all of a sudden it's gotten to the point where you know, it's getting definitely heated, and you've got one guy on the on the Cubs ball club, maybe a couple, but in particular Contreras, that's really wearing it now, and for no reason. And then on top of it, the league's not protecting him. So it's time to turn the page on that um, and start, you know, making sure that the opposing team is um, feeling the effects of, of what they're doing to the Cubs hitters. Great perspective, Coom. Great stories. We look forward to more of them today. 12.45 pregame here on the score with Zach. And then Pat and Ron there to take you home for the Cubs' second game in the series against the Braves. Have a great Coom. You guys are a must-listen for baseball fans in Chicago, I'll tell you that. Never Thanks, Coombs. See you, boys. Ron Coomer. See you. Talk to you later. Uh, he will be doing the Cubs-Braves later today, as I said, 12.45 pregame, Bruce. And we come back. I hear that's what I hear in the distance. That's a little chin. I'm hearing Barbasol. I'm hearing Gillette. I'm hearing everything you need for that close shave. A little chin music. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.